0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Have your Bibles, open them up with me for a few moments. I want to jump into a couple of uh, passages of scripture and um, I'm going to be sharing. Actually, I'm going to continue. How many of you were here this morning in the morning services? There's a few of you, not many of you, um, I shared a part one of this message and um, I'm going to do the second half of it where I'll go in depth on the last point um, from this morning. And the title of this morning's message was For Us, F-O-R-U-S, For Us, For Us. And you'll have to get the podcast to really understand what it means. But I title it For Us um, out of this particular text that I'm going to read to you. Because we have to understand that when you think about Christmas and why, why Christ came, he really makes it personal in this text. He came for us. And for us, he is grace. For us, he is glory. And for us, he is greatness. And I won't digress in the text too much because I need to get where I need to get tonight. But you need to understand that we serve an awesome, mighty, and wonderful God. Who have gone to great extents through his son Jesus to, to come down from heaven into this earth with a desire to seek and save that which was lost and encounter his people and enter into a personal relationship with him. When we talk about Christmas and we celebrate this time of the year. We have to understand that the whole purpose of him coming was not that we would have an annual celebration, but the whole purpose of him coming was for you. He came for you. If it was not for you, we would need Christmas. Oh, that's different, isn't it? But the whole purpose of Christmas and why we celebrate it was for you. Because he was a God who came down in an earth suit, a man named Jesus, to redeem you and I back unto himself. And so he came for us, for us, he gave us grace, for us, he gave us glory. And I'm going to look at this last part, for us in this particular text, he gave us greatness. And these, and this greatness is demonstrated or it's communicated to the through this particular text in the form of titles or names so in isaiah chapter 9 isaiah chapter 9 i'm going to begin reading at verse 6 and 7 and then i'm going to go to matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 21 but in isaiah chapter 9 whether you're reading um, from a bible a tablet watch ipad or the screen hopefully we got you covered and if you don't have it that way, just reach over and snatch someone's Bible out of their hand and read it for yourself. I'm just playing. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6. It says this, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government, of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Now I want to jump over to Matthew chapter one. I'm going to read just three verses and I'll jump into this. Matthew chapter one. It says this beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together. She was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph her husband being a man. And not wanting to make her a public example. Was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things. Behold an angel of the Lord. Appeared unto him in a dream. Saying Joseph son of David. Do not be afraid to take take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something that in that moment Joseph was about to make a decision? He was about to put some put Mary away or find out a way to to. Um, get out of this situation or this relationship but right in that moment that he was about to make a huge decision that could have possibly huge ramifications on his life the holy spirit stepped in aren't you thankful for the holy spirit how he intervenes in our affairs the moment we begin to make decisions or choices that that are not conducive to god's plan and purpose and will for our life that god loves us too much by his spirit he comes right in to intervene and turn things around and verse 21 says this and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins his name will be jesus and he shall save the people from their sins when you talk about god's greatness God's greatness was revealed in this text, in Isaiah chapter 9, through specific names that the prophet prophesied or declared that Christ would be unto us. He would be grace. He would be glory. But he's saying in this particular text that in our lives, for us or unto us, he wants to be wonderful. He desires to be your counselor. He wants to be your mighty God. He wants to be your everlasting father and your prince of peace. When I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he comes into my heart, he wants us to understand that these are attributes that I want to be demonstrated and displayed in your life. I want you to to believe me when it comes to the Believe that I am wonderful. Believe that I am your counselor. Believe that I am your mighty God, your everlasting father, and I am your prince of peace. Notice these were wrapped up in titles and names. When Matthew said that he was, his, his name shall be called Jesus... And he shall save the people from their sins. It reveals his name, but it also reveals his mission. His name was Jesus, but when he came into the world, he was on one mission. He was coming, he was born to die that he might redeem us from our sins. I know at Christmas time we focus on a manger and a nativity scene and a baby, but understand the cross is just as important at Christmas time because he was born to die. He He came down so that we can go up. So you cannot talk about the manger without talking about the cross because the cross is just as important at Christmas time. And maybe that's the problem because sometimes we miss the Christ in Christmas or we miss the cross at Christmas. But the very fact that he came, he was born to die for you and I. I thought about names because these attributes are revealed in the name. There's a term that, that, that is often used. It's called an aptronym. An aptronym. What is an aptronym? An aptronym is when someone's name and occupation line up perfectly. Have you ever noticed that? I can say personally that my dentist, and this is no lie, my dentist's name is Dr. Chu. I'm not making that up. So an acronym is when a person's name and their occupation lines up. And my dentist, his name is Dr. Chu. Let me give you some other examples. When this man, his name is Roy Grout, and he's a bricklayer. Dan Druff, and he's a barber. (laughs) Dr. Smiley is an orthodontist. (laughs) Dr. Whitehead is a dermatologist. (laughs) Oh, God. <laughs> and Dr. Smelzy is a podiatrist, of all things. But an acronym is when someone's name and their occupation line up. I think about how parents go to go, go make a big deal when it comes to naming their kids and naming their children and, and God helps some of the names of our kids. You know, when Shannon and I were naming our kids, we said, you know what, we want them to be able to spell it with no problem and pronounce it with no problem. Sometimes I wonder the names, let me, I don't want to get in trouble that man think about when they get in second grade and third, is this going to work out? But sometimes we make it so difficult. But oftentimes, we spend long, crazy time trying to determine the name. We want the right name. Have you ever realized how important names were to God? The Bible said he called light day and he called darkness night. He called the, the sky, the, expan- the expanse, the sky. He called the dry ground the land. He called water the seas. And one of Adam's first job was we always say naming the animals, but if you go back and check, the first thing that Adam named was not the animals, it was his wife. Adam actually named Eve. Check me out. Go back and look at it. Don't have time to go get it. All the women was like, say what? He did what? That's what I tell Shanna. Don't you know I named you? No, I'm just playing. (laughs) Names often relate to someone's as- the, some aspect of an individual's birth. Like Isaac means laughter. Jacob means deceiver. Moses means drawn out. Names often relate to some aspect of not only one's birth but also their character. Like Alexander the Great, William the Conqueror, Simon the Zealot, and we even talk about John the Baptist. And we talk about Jesus. His name means Jehovah saves. And Acts 4 chapter 2 tells 12 tells us that there is no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved except the name of Jesus. Philippians tell us that there is that at one day's coming, that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess the name of Jesus. You may not bow now. You may not believe now, but there's coming a day that every knee shall bow to that name so javon what's the what's in a name His name is the source of our salvation. His name is the hope of our hearts. His name can break sins and bondages. His name can heal, deliver, and sets free. His name saves the vilest sinner, redeems the blackest soul, and and rescues and secures the saints. We're talking about a name that opens up heaven's doors, but a name that also shuts the gates of hell. Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, up until this point... You have asked nothing in my name, but moving forward, I'm going to give you the key, the key password into accessing the provisions of heaven. Therefore, when you go before the father, make sure you go in my name, say in my name, I come in the name of the Lord. Come on. We know the power of that name. This is what gave. See, we often look at that name in the new Testament, but how many, of you know, that name was still working in the old Testament because even David, when he faced a giant named Goliath, the Bible said that you come at me with a sword and spear. But listen what David said. I come at you in the name of the Lord. You may be bigger than I am. You may be stronger than I am. You may have more than I am, but you don't have who I've got. And I've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you may be facing a giant tonight that seems intimidating, bigger than you. You are stronger than you are, have more than you have, but I want to declare if you have the name of Jesus, you have everything that you need to overcome, to triumph, to walk in victory, to pull down every giant, to pull down every Goliath. I'm talking about a name that when it's declared and decreed with faith, there's a force behind that name. Demons tremble at that name. That name, come on, somebody. It's a name that causes issues all the time. I am amazed. I am amazed that we can say Muhammad and it's no problem. We can say Buddha and it's no problem. We can say Hare Krishna and it's no problem. But the moment you talk about Jesus, we can pray in any other name, but we just can't say Jesus. We can say Mighty One. We can say Strong One. We can say God Almighty. We can say a higher power, but just don't say Jesus. Uh, And maybe that's a little indication that there is something about that name because they know when that name is spoken, things change. When that name is proclaimed, things turn around. We can say any other name, but don't speak that name. This is what they tried to do to the apostles. Uh, They said, you can preach, you can teach, but just don't do that name. And the apostle said, let me tell you something. You don't understand. It was that name that brought me up out of the pit. It was that name that saved me. It was that name that got me uh, out of bondages and out of brokenness and out of hurt and pain it was that name that got me off an addiction and you think I've come this far because you're threatening me not to lose that name I use that name I don't think so stone me persecute me do whatever you want to for that name I live and for that name I die and that name is Jesus I need 30 people to shout that name right now There's power in that name. I speak that name every day over my marriage. I speak that name every day over my children and over my wife and over my life. I speak it over you in this church every day. And I declare in Jesus' name, come on, I want that name to be famous all throughout the earth. I want that name to be glorified all throughout the earth. And he said, I want you to look at these four names because this is for you this is what i want to be for you notice he said wonderful counselor are you ready wonderful actually is separated in some context the word wonderful there is an expect it means that the word wonderful refers to listen to this the acts of god as being incomprehensible marvelous miraculous are supernatural. In other words, I need you unto you or for you. There are times that I'll, I'll be miraculous and incomprehensible. In other words, I want you to believe me to do things in your life that you can't even comprehend with your mind. I want you to have such faith in who I am and know that I'm willing to move on your behalf in such a miraculous way that you don't limit me in small thinking and and small faith and little faith, but dare to believe that I can do something that you have yet to see done. Oh, come on. I can move in a way that you have yet to see me move. Uh, I want you to believe and understand that there is nothing thing about me that is normal. I know Jesus was a human, but he also was God. He was humanity and divinity. So don't let his humanity limit you to a human perspective of him. You have to grab a hold to his deity by faith and say, this Jesus I'm talking about, he is a miracle worker. He did, no, come on, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he didn't just do miracles back then. He doing miracles right now and he will continue to do miracles how many you believe that he's a miracle worker I can look out in this room and test it and see faces of those uh, who have experienced miraculous moves of God. Whether it be miraculously f- providing finances. Whether it be miraculously healing their body. I can look out in this room and I know people in this room uh, who were told that they would never have children or couldn't have children again. But a supernatural birth came and now they're come on somebody. They were pregnant with child and they have child. There's one lady in our church I'll never forget she ran me down one day over by that pillar and she said the doctor told me that it would never happen and she said I refuse to believe it will never happen she said God is able to do anything and I want children and I'm gonna have children pray with me right now that God give me and my husband children and I want to tell you something she didn't just get a child she got pregnant with twins and gave birth Earth to two healthy babies because there was a woman that believed he's too wonderful to leave me barren. He's too wonderful to leave me in that state. He is miraculous. He is supernatural. He can do great and mighty things. And that's why he said in Isaiah chapter 7, he said he said, "A virgin shall give birth. Notice that. That's why he was intentional about that. Because when you say, wait a minute, a virgin doing what? How can that be seeing she not knew a man is what the scripture said. You hadn't been in any relationship. You hadn't been intimate with anybody. And God was saying exactly. But he says, how is this going to be seeing I know not a man? And her response was the Holy Spirit. The supernatural power of God. That defies the laws of gravity and transcends human ability. I'm telling you, you need a wonderful God when the doctor says there's nothing else they can do. You need a wonderful God when you did everything that you did know how to do in the natural and you don't see anything changing. That's what you need to understand that this is beyond me. I can no longer trust in my strength in my power nor by my mind, but I need a supernatural touch from God. that can move mountains, that can exalt valleys, that can make crooked places straight, make rough areas plain. I'm talking about a supernatural God that knows how to bring a river right in the middle of a desert, who knows how to make ways where it seemed like there is no way. Does anybody believe that God in 2018, in the last few weeks we have, can still move miraculously in your life? He said, I'm wonderful, counselor. Watch this. He said, wonderful. And then he said, counselor. What do you mean, counselor? That word counselor means to advise, to uh, to, to advise. It means to devise a plan. It means to guide. It means to direct a guiding force or a leader. I want to tell you this evening, Jesus has counsel for every crisis. He has a plan for every problem he has a solution for your situation and he has answers for your anxiety Psalm sixteen seven says this I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel what makes him a great counselor are you ready age and experience because he's the ancient of days knowledge because he knows all things education because no one counseled him he taught himself the price because in Isaiah 51 he said come and you don't have to come freely without money and without price. There is no fees. There is no deposits. There's nothing that I have to pay. He says, oh, come on. Appointments with me are free. The price was paid on the cross. You don't have to check in with anybody. You don't have to talk with anybody. And what I love about it, he says there's no fee. And he says, I'm always available. I am always open. I'm talking about God almighty. I don't have to stand in line. I don't have to wait in line. I don't wait to have to wait till the calendar clear. No matter where I am, I can call on the Lord Jesus. I can have an appointment in the shower. I can have an appointment in the car. I can have an appointment in church. I can have an appointment in my cubicle if I do it quietly and don't get caught at work. But it doesn't matter where I am, but wherever I call on the name of Jesus, he can hear me because he's a wonderful counselor. I love him. What makes him wonderful is this. He understands you. He understands me. You know, you ever say sometimes, I can't talk to them, they just don't get me. They just don't get me, they don't get me. Oh know if I talk to them, they'll judge me. If they if I talk to them, they're gonna talk crazy and think I'm crazy. I need somebody that really gets who I am. Come on, do you get me? No, you don't get me. You don't get me either. I tried to talk, but you don't get me either. But what I love, that I have a man named Jesus who he Hebrews says that we have a high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities who was tempted in every way yet without sin he says you know what I get you I know exactly what you're going through because everything that you're tempted with I've been tempted with and he said the difference is where you may have given into it I have overcome it so the fact that I have overcome what you've given into I know how to get you out of it so I get you I get you when you feel lonely. I get you when you feel defeated. I get you when you're embarrassed. I get you when you're feeling guilty. I get you when you're feeling shame. I get you, but that's the reason why I'm a high priest, because I paid the price for everything that you're facing. I know how to give you the right words. I know how to give you the right strategy. I know how to give you the right direction. If you will call on me and see what i not answer you. I am your counselor. I am your king I am your advisor. Not only does he gets me but he cares about me first Peter tells us this that cast your cares upon me for I cared for you see he doesn't just get me to listen to me he cares about my well-being I'm glad to have somebody that will listen to me but I also want someone who actually cares for me and he says cast those why are you worried about that why are you dealing with that why are you frustrated with that can I put it like this he's asking some of you right now why are you carrying what I've already already carried on the cross. I carried grief on the cross. I carried sorrow on the cross. I carried pain on the cross. I carried shame on the cross. I carried addiction on the cross. I carried abuse on the cross. Quit carrying what I've already carried. I need you to cast those cares on me because I care for you. I care for your well-being. I care for your peace. I care for your joy. I care that you might have life and life more abundantly. Abundantly. Aren't you grateful for a counselor that cares? He said a wonderful counselor. Are you still with me? Not only that. He says You need somebody who can see what you can't see. Psalms 32 8 said he guides us with the counsel of his own eye. In other words, there are things that God can see that we cannot see. Sometimes we can only see to the corner, but God sees around the corner. And sometimes what you see is not what he sees. That's why we have to walk by faith. And not by sight because what's often what you see is the opposite of what he sees sometimes it looks like defeat but what he sees is a setup for victory sometimes it looks like you're being pushed back but he sees you're being you're being propelled forward sometimes you only see chaos and confusion but what he sees is a process that's molding you and shaping you and preparing you and equipping you come on and lifting you and raising you it doesn't make sense right now you don't get it you got a brain for a question mark and you keep saying why God why God and he's saying why not why not if you could only see what I see if you could only see what I see in your future right now I can't tell you because you're not ready for it I can't give it to you because you're not ready for it that's why you are on the path that you're on because I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you to give you a hope in the future and this path that you're on It's preparation. This path that you're on is equipping you. I'm preaching to somebody. This path that you're on, this waiting season that seems like frustration and aggravation. No, it's not. It's preparation. There's greater in your future. There's more in your future. There's good success in your future. Can I say there's prosperity in your future? There is greatness that awaits you. Stay the path and follow your counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And the scripture says this. He's a mighty God. Are you ready? He's a mighty God. Say he's a mighty God. God. I want to be a mighty God for you. It refers to one who is strong. One who is mighty. One who is invincible. One translation says. He's a warrior. And a hero. As a warrior. He fights for us. Aren't you glad that you have a God that fight for you? Second Chronicles 2015 says this in 15 and 17. The Lord is speaking to King Jehoshaphat. Listen to these words. He said, listen, all you Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because of the great multitude. I wanna say to somebody, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, because you're facing huge opposition. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm glad that eight of you got that. I'm gonna say it again. For the battle is not yours, it is God's. And listen, here's your word. You need not to fight in this battle, position yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear nor be dismayed. He said, but tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. He said, the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation. But notice what he said. He said, position yourself. It's not that I'm idle. It's not that I don't do anything, but it's all about the right thing that I need to be doing. I'm going to tell you how you position yourself because this is what Jehoshaphat, uh, Jehoshaphat did. The Bible said he prayed And watch this. And he sent praise. When you are facing a battle. When you are up against opposition and adversity. Too many of us enter into flesh fights. Fighting in your flesh. Fighting with your mouth, nang hang hang yeah. Fighting on, uh, fighting with your phone, fighting on Twitter, fighting on Instagram. Uh oh, fighting on Facebook, going back and forth. Text this, text this. Fighting with your finger signs and all this type of stuff. Listen, that mess don't do anything. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and power. Understand that your strength is not in your flesh. Your strength is in the spirit and you have to position yourself in prayer and in praise. When they start praying and when they started praising, the Bible said God confused their enemy. Can I just declare, quit talking to everybody about everything and start talking about God who can do something on your behalf. I dare you to start praising. I dare you to start, come on, praying and telling God he is more than able because because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall be condemned. I love this last part. This is the inheritance of my people. We missed the last part of that. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, what is he talking about? What is he? You know, the greatest weapon that is formed against you is the tongue. The devil is the accuser of brethren. Somebody's mouth is often our greatest opposition. Nah, nah, nah. This, that, that. Shut up. Every tongue that rises up against you and I in judgment shall be condemned. You can't judge me. Only my God can judge me. He is in control of my life. If you believe that, give him a shout of praise and I'm going to move on. I feel like a rotisserie chicken up here. Woo! Got your boy up here sweating. Like one of them hot dogs at the 7 Eleven. I tried to hold it in long enough. I just had a breakdown. Woo. Oh Lord. Woo! Pray for me. I'm almost there. God, dog. Mm hmm. I've been well done about 10 minutes ago. Shoot. He's a warrior that fights for us. And he's a hero that has defeated all of our enemies. When he say mighty God for us, he said, I'm a warrior for you and I'm a hero for you. What do you mean? A hero that has defeated all of our enemies. What enemies? He's defeated the enemy of the grave. He's defeated the enemy of Satan. He's defeated the enemy of sin and he has defeated the enemy of death. He says, I am your hero. You don't have to be afraid. Come on the grave. You don't have to be afraid of sin. You don't have to be afraid of Satan and you don't have to be afraid of death. I have already conquered those foes as your hero. And I want to say this to encourage people, especially this time of the year. Being a pastor and in pastoral care, you, you have the privilege and the responsibility and to often walk through people who, 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 who lose loved ones. And sometimes this time of the year can be the toughest time for families that have lost loved ones. Sometimes they go through seasons of what I call the first. They go through the first Christmas, the first Thanksgiving. And where many are, are, are excited and joyful, there's some that this is hard for them. It brings back memories. It, it, it's tough. And you know, I was thinking about this year, even in my own family, we've had four deaths in my own family in a matter of months. Two uncles, an aunt and a cousin. My wife's best friend, mother, was lost. I just got back this week from being in Georgia from a funeral from a man that used to babysit me. He was the mayor of the city that I grew up in that passed away. And there's people in this church that I, this year that our staff and our team has walked with and are walking through who is off loved ones who have died. But I'm telling you, what are you saying, Javon? Number one, I'm thankful that the Bible says this, that if we only have hope in this life, we are all men most miserable. But we have the hope of heaven because to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can Paul says that? How can Paul say that? Because he understands that death has been defeated and death is not the worst thing that can happen to a believer. Oh God, I just said a mouthful. Some of us don't have a healthy theology of death. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to a believer. Paul put it this way. Paul didn't say that my death is at hand. He said my departure is at hand. I fought the fight. I kept the course and I've kept the faith in other words he said he didn't see death as an ending he saw death as a departure When, when you depart from one when you have a departure it means I'm leaving one thing because I'm going to something else and when a believer dies they leave this old world and they go into an eternal heaven with Jesus Christ come on the Bible said precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of all his saints because I'm going on To be with Jesus. Anybody thankful for heaven today. That my life does not end. On this side of eternity. And he says I'm your warrior. Here we go. He says I'm your everlasting father. And I'm almost done. He said to you. I want to be your everlasting father. What does that mean? Everlasting father. That word everlasting means perpetual continual, consistent. In other words, I'm not gonna be fickle with you. I'm not gonna be fake and phony with you. I'll be consistent with you. When I say I'll never leave you nor forsake you, I mean it. When I say I am with you always, even until the end of times, I mean it. I know people have told you that and walked out on you. I know so-called friends said they would be there and they've walked out on you. I know you've even got family members that have left you at some of the hardest times of your life, but I want to tell you I'm your everlasting father. I am perpetual. I am consistent. I am diligent and just because there's the presence of problems don't mean it's the absence of God. He is your very present help in the time of trouble. That's why Isaiah said, that he is Emmanuel God with us and he's not God with us when everything is going good, he's not God with us when we've got money, he's not God with us when we're on the mountaintop he's not God with us when everything is booming and everything is great, but he's God with us in the low times he's God with us in the hard times he's God with us when I'm struggling he's God with us when I don't know what to do, he's God with us when I'm confused, he's God with us when my marriage is in shambles, He's God with us when I'm broke. He's God with us when I don't have a job. He is God with us, not just on the mountaintop, but God with us in the valley low. He said, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil because I am with you. I am always with you, even until the end of time. The enemy would have you to believe. That in your adversities and struggles, God abandons you. It is a lie. It is a lie. He loves you too much to leave you. He come too far to leave you. He sacrificed too much to leave you What Javon, you don't know what I got into. I I was serving him and I was living for him, but I've fallen away. I've got caught up in things I shouldn't have got caught up in. I start doing things I shouldn't do. And surely he's left me. Surely he's forgotten about me. Surely he's walked away from me. Absolutely not. He is in the same place he was when you chose to walk away from him. He says, I'm right here where you left me. At any given time, any given place. All I'm waiting on you to say is, Here I am, here I am. And the moment you say, Here I am, I'll say, Here I am. Is that really true? Well, see, we confuse the greatest character in the story of the prodigal son. The great character is not the son, the great character is the father. <laughs> it shows you the redeeming love of a heavenly father that even when his children stray away and squander their inheritance in in, in unrighteous living and debauchery and sin and end up in the pig pens of the world. It's not a father that turns his back and writes his son off because he's screwed up. (laughs) But what gets me about that story As the Bible said, when that son came to himself, he said, you know what? It's better in my daddy's house. He had lost everything. And I love this. And he said, I will arise and go to my father. Listen to this, what the Bible said. And the Bible said, and when the father saw him, he came running toward him. Wait a minute. How did he see him? The only reason why he he saw him, because he was looking for him. God Almighty. The whole time, what am I saying? He never took his eyes off you. The whole time. When is he coming back? When is he coming back? I know he left. I know he messed up. But my eyes are still on him, and I can't wait. The moment he turns. I mean a little bit in my direction I'm coming running I'm coming with everything come on somebody and he didn't come with condemnation he didn't come with guilt he didn't come with shame saying why did you do this you should have did that you should have that he said no he said here's a robe son here's a ring son I know you've lost everything but the same God that blessed you then he's gonna bless you again the same God that prospered you then he's gonna prosper you again same God that fathered you then is still fathering you right now come on in let's throw a party not oh God talk about your problems too many times we want to talk about the problems instead of throwing a party I rejoice when I see people coming to this altar. I, rejoice. I don't care what you've been in and what you've been through. I don't care because I remember I have not always been where I am now and I don't even know where that is. And we got to learn to celebrate what, what, celebrate more what we're for and quit talking about all the time what we're against. We are for souls, we are for people, we are for love, we are for for compassion, we are for grace, we are for mercy, we are for forgiveness, we are for people, because that's what God was for, and that's what he still is for. That's why he came, was for you. And the last but not least, he said, I'm your Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. In other words, he tells us the true source of peace, is found in him. To you, I want to be your peace. How many people are looking? See, there was a song that says looking for love in all the wrong places. But there are a lot of people that is looking for peace in all the wrong places. You won't find peace in the club. I promise you. Been there. You won't find peace in a bottle. I promise you. Been there. You won't find peace in alcohol, just relationship the relationship money to money position to position here there 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 it's not peace the world will tell you that's peace but Jesus corrected that he said peace I give unto you not that the world gives he said there's a false peace that the world will try to give you and say if you get this if you have this if you know this if you do this you will have peace but Jesus said uh uh there's a peace that I have that surpasses all understanding. You can have peace and not have money in the bank. You can have peace and the storm is raging around you. You can have peace. The family ain't, don't have it together yet. The children are not back. But I got a peace. Because peace, watch this, is confident expectation that God is ultimately going to work on my behalf. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know where. But I have a confident expectation that my God is going to work on my behalf and turn my situation around. But watch this. Peace has three spheres. Watch this. Peace goes up. Vertically, peace goes horizontally. And here's the other one. You know what the other one is? I almost forgot it. (laughs) And peace goes vertically. Peace goes internally. And peace goes horizontally. What do you mean? Peace with God vertically. I first have peace with him. And then I have peace internally. That's the peace of God. And then I can have peace horizontally. That's peace with others. So peace goes up. Peace comes in. So peace can go out. Oh my God. Because until you really get peace up. You really won't have peace in. And if you don't have peace in. I promise you. You won't be able to give peace out. Not the God kind of peace. So Romans 5.8. Tells us this. And I'm closing as you stand to your feet. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus. Christmas came to bring you peace. And he said, for you, I want you to know I'm your Prince of Peace. For you, I'm your wonderful counselor. For you, I want to be your everlasting father. And for you, I want to be your mighty God but in reality the last I believe should be first because until you get peace with God and in a right relationship with God only then can you really know him as a wonderful counselor as a mighty God as an everlasting father so it all hinges on the fact that I need to make peace with my God and that's why he came at Christmas so that we can be at peace again we can be at one again throw your hands up right now all over this building and just open up your mouth for a moment thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you were blessed